All right, so we're ready to go. All right, here we go in three, two, one. Hi, and welcome to this special COVID-19 edition of PRMC On Point. I'm Roger Fallabout, the Director of Strategic Communications at Peninsula Regional Medical Center and across the Peninsula Regional Health System. We're talking telemedicine today with Dr. Jim Trumbull, who is the Vice President of Clinical Integration at Peninsula Regional Medical Center. Jim, hi. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Roger. Um, all right, so I'm going to give you the broad term. Telemedicine. What are we talking about? So telemedicine is just medicine at a distance. Um, that's kind of that overall broad description, but in practical terms, what we're talking about is using the telephone or video conferencing in some fashion as a mechanism to, to have medical interactions with patients, both evaluation and for treatment. So how does all this work? So in general, it, it's, to, so to do a, a video conferencing or a telemedicine, let's talk about it in terms of video. Yeah, please do. Telephone is a telephone call. You can get information from anybody doing something like that. But so we would set up an appointment just like you would normally uh, with a patient calling in and setting that up on the schedule. Um, the office might relay this information uh, as far as providing a link or some sort of web interface for the patient and then for the provider as well. And what they're doing is that they're using this link to then meet up online in essentially what we call an online room. So through that, uh, they have some privacy there to have those discussions that they need to have in order to try to do as much of an evaluation and potentially, again, treatment as possible. Um, COVID-19. Social distancing, this seems to be exactly what the doctor ordered at this point. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, you know, it really offers us an opportunity to uh, be able to still see patients, again, evaluate them uh, from a distance. Uh, patients are, in effect, self-isolating. Uh, we're asking them to do this in order to decrease the, the exposure that we have, both for healthy patients to avoid those who are ill and for ill patients to avoid putting themselves in in um, exposing themselves to other people as well. And this offers that, that intervention that, uh, that in order to, to see those patients on both sides. How safe and secure is that conversation I'm having with you as my physician? So in general, very secure. So there's a, a variety of platforms that exist out there, uh, just to name a few, Zoom, WebEx, um, DoxyMe, all of which have been in existence for, you know, for quite a while now. And they've developed these platforms in order to have that, that privacy so that when you go in there as a patient, it's just you and the doctor. I'm not in front of you. I'm not in the same room with you. What kind of examination can you do? I mean, how, how good can this be for me as a patient if my doc is not in the same room with me? So I, I think that's, that's something to keep in mind. Um, you know, obviously, it's, you know, it's either by phone or by computer. Um, it is one of those things where it's, it's not a solution for everything that we're going to do in medicine. Um, for, you know, in general, what we've used it for in some of the pilots that we've done is relatively simple problems, follow-ups, medication management. Um, but I think at a time like now where we've got this coronavirus and the public health emergency that exists with it, you know, perfection can't can be the enemy of good. Um, we've got to make the most of what we can in order to first do no harm. We don't want to put patients in jeopardy by bringing them to the office if it's something that we can address through telemedicine or even a telephone call. 
So I think it's one of these times where you've got to be thoughtful when you're making that appointment. Is it appropriate uh, for, for this to be done by telemedicine? And then even during the telemedicine visit, is this something that I can get most of my answers or all of my answers in order to do the best I can for my patient? Uh, some of that may even evolve during the visit. I mean, what if a patient describes something that I realize, oh, this is not something that I can handle over the phone or on a telemedicine uh, video visit? Um, and then you have to escalate the care, and that means either bringing them into the office to an urgent care for they've had really severe symptoms, maybe to the emergency department. Yeah, you know, I'm one of those old newspaper guys. I'd love to have a newspaper in my hand. I love to read it every day. Um, so I, will this ever really replace the, the face-to-face, one-on-one interaction that you can have with a physician in the office? So, I, again, you know, is it ideal? Probably not to the same degree that an in-office visit is, but I think that it's, it's one of those things that we found in, in again, some of the pilots that we've done. Um, a lot of people are a little uneasy about it at first. Uh, I think a lot of that comes from when you've got that personal contact, when you're having that discussion with anyone, including your physician, um, there is certain mannerisms, certain facial expressions, things that describe for us what they're saying so we have a better understanding of it. And I think people are afraid of losing that. Uh, what we found is that although some people are apprehensive in the beginning, they find that they still get that connection even in a video conferencing visit. And so what, what they become very comfortable and, and very engaged in these um, over, over just a couple of visits. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking in remote areas. And, and let's stay locally here, remote areas like Smith Island, mm-hmm. this would be an ideal solution. It is. Uh, in fact, there's a, a few of us that already do telemedicine visits, including myself for Smith Island. And along those same lines, you know, those are, those are people that they, they don't want to leave the island. And this offers them an opportunity to obtain care without having to do that. Um, but along those same lines, our situation is really not all different. We're asking people to shelter in place. We're asking them to stay out of uh, the community environment and not expose themselves. So, in effect, they're isolating at home. And so, telemedicine, just like it does on Smith Island, offers uh, our, our patients in this area the same opportunity to be able to stay in place and yet still achieve uh, some level of care. Here's the million-dollar question. How do you get docs on board with this? How do you get patients on board with this? So believe it or not, uh, because of this public health emergency with coronavirus, that getting the docs on board actually hasn't been that big a deal um, or that, that big a problem. Um, in fact, you know, prior to this, you know, it was really us going out trying to encourage physicians to, to test these out. Now we have doctors just flooding in, I want this, I want this, because they realize that is that kind of that, that Hippocratic uh, oath that we take, do no harm. And so we don't want to bring those high-risk patients into the office, the heart failures, the diabetics. Those are immune suppressed from cancer chemotherapy, for example. So if we can do what we need to do via a video or a telephone visit, then that's great. That's what we want to do. So docs are very much on board with this. I think that there we, we may need to do a little bit of uh, advertising or marketing to explain this to patients, that this is a viable way for them to achieve care and the level of care that they, they'll need uh, for some of the simpler stuff. But in, in some cases, it's even some of the more complex stuff. Um, so I think that, and, and this is really going to push forward what we're doing with telehealth, uh, not because necessarily something we did, but because out of necessity. Uh, we needed to do this, and we will need to do this in th- into the several coming months. I think this will leap us ahead for uh, uh, years in a matter of months. That's really a great transition to my next question. So if we were talking five to ten years down the road about where telemedicine would be, are we really now, because of COVID-19, talking about 
where telemedicine is going to be in the next year or, or maybe in the next six months. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, so as, as we were working on this in, in the, in the, before this crisis ever started, you know, we were making, uh, you know, uh, positive movement in that direction. Um, but it was something that we were really trying to work out the kinks and the, and the, the have this as perfect as possible. But at this point in time, it's one of those things where, again, we need to make the most of it uh, that we can. And so because we've got such engagement from the providers, and I think we will from patients as well, because I'll say, I think they'll see the benefit in this, um, that th- I think we're going to have so many people on board with it. It will just become uh, a part of the habit that we're, we live in and uh, we'll move forward where we might have done, you know, had this, had some level of uh, positive movement in five years. I think we'll see that in six to 12 months. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that too. Let me ask you a non-telemedicine question about COVID-19 before we get you out of here. Okay. You're an ED doc. Your mm-hmm. background's in emergency medicine. You've seen everything come through the back door. What do you think about this virus and how concerned should we be about this virus? Oh, very concerned. Um, the, the reality is, is that it's, it's ability to get passed on, even in patients who may not have symptoms, uh, has been relatively well demonstrated from China and from South Korea and, and, and Italy. Um, the reality is, is that it exists out there and it, we've got to take all the precautions we can. Right now, that's limited to, you know, uh, mitigating the way we are, trying to reduce exposure by, you know, not um, being in large groups, uh, eliminating those potential areas such as schools, universities, things of that nature. Uh, But we've got to take it very seriously. Um, Until we actually come up with some sort of vaccine or treatment for it, this is going to be the the only way that we can can mitigate uh, potential other exposures and, and passing it on rapidly through our population. And you don't think we're out of this in two weeks, do you? No, or two no. months even? I would say that would be uh, wishful thinking and probably only going to happen if we do come up with some sort of medication or vaccine that's going to mitigate uh, potential spread further. If we continue, if we're really looking at 18 months for a vaccine, we're probably looking at at least – nine, 12 months or longer. Dr. Trumbull, thanks. My pleasure. Good to have you on the program. And thank you for watching as well, this special edition of COVID-19 PRMC on point. As always, the greatest and best information you can get on COVID-19 can be found on the Peninsula Regional website at peninsula.org. Be sure to check that out. And also, if you have questions or concerns about COVID-19 that we can answer for you, Peninsula Regional Medical Center and the Wicomico County Health Department have teamed up to create a COVID-19 hotline. You can reach us there at 410-912-6889. Again, that's 410-912-6889. I'm Roger Fallabout for Dr. Jim Trumbull. We'll see you again on the next edition of PRMC On Point.